What is up guys, it is Stu. And are you tired of your social media copywriting sucking? Are you tired of being frustrated every time you try to type out the words that go with the photos or videos? I know that if I was talking to you, you could talk to me about it perfectly. You could articulate what it is you do and what problems you solve. But the second you go to type it out, you're just like, uh, I don't know what hashtags, like, I don't know, I'll just say carpe diem. Like, you just, you shit the bed when it comes to typing out your copy. Not anymore. I am now offering copywriting services for micro gym owners. We will get on a one hour call, you, me, and a copywriter that I've hired that works with my brand, Urban Movement, several other micro gyms, and we are gonna go ahead and discuss your brand specifically. Who is your avatar client? What are the micro problems that you solve for those people? How do you solve them? Are you a PT first gym? Are you straight to class? It doesn't matter because this is 100% tailored towards your business. No bullshit templates that I'm rinse and repeating and giving to everybody. Everything is completely unique for you. And then at the end of the copy, the thing that really brings it home, and that's where the magic of a copywriting service comes in, we tie it all up and we allow the individual to you know, visualize their success, what life would be like when they get rid of that problem via your business and service. That's the thing that makes copywriting copywriting. It's the thing that makes ads sell and people click on links. So if you're ready for your copy with your social media to actually start making you money and for it to actually resonate with your customer, to push your brand message forward and to put more members in your fucking building, shoot me a DM on Instagram. Hit me up on Instagram and we'll begin the process to see if it is a good fit for you and your business. Guys, thank you for listening. On with the podcast. Alrighty guys, what is up? It is another episode of the What The Fuck Gym Talk podcast. And I've got my friend and good colleague, Brandon Cullen here. And Brandon is the C, are you the CEO? What's your technical role within there besides co-founder? Uh, so I have merged to the chief uh, concept officer. Chief concept officer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're the chief concept officer. And um, Kirk, your other business partner, what is his title? Chief training officer. Chief training officer, yep. awesome. So. I've got Brandon here. For any of you guys who've been following my stuff, we've done a podcast at your South End location last time. You've came and spoke at the Self Made Summit, and that was just around a year ago now. And then here we sit here a year later. Everything that's happened has happened. But I, I wanted to I wanted to start this thing off with right um, right before the Self Made Summit, you guys had an awesome announcement that you partnered with the Z Growth Group out of Florida, I believe. Correct? DC. DC. Okay. Yep. So out of DC. And these guys are essentially a franchise accelerator. They're a, an incubator like, uh, what's that one out in California, the big uh, um, Y Combinator kind of scenario, right? Like they, they've seen franchise models. They know how to go ahead and grow that thing, right? They look yeah. at talent like you and what you've created. They're like, holy shit, you've done this yourself. You've grown X amount of franchises on your own. Let us pour the kerosene on it. Is that essentially what they do? Yeah, yeah, um, they, their first company, and I hope I don't kind of misquote myself, but they owned a company named Zippy Shell, which was a, um, like a storage unit company. And pretty much they built it to a powerhouse where they were able to sell. <clears throat> and then the majority of the, uh, the partnership retired and, uh, they got bored and they said, why don't we, why don't we try this over again? So it's interesting when you look at Z growth partners now, they could, in a way, look like a young firm, but the reality is, is they have about 30 years of franchising and scaling experience, so um, yeah. they're the real deal. I remember when you made that announcement, I went and I looked into them. They have a, it looks, it's not a microbrewery, but like they have like a, 
like a bar concept underneath underneath them that they do as well. They had a women's boxing studio up in I think New, New Jersey area or the tri-state area as well. They had a yeah, couple they, fitness concepts, one or two. Yeah, they have j- jabs as the women's okay. uh, boxing. It's out of Arizona. Okay, um, it's having some great growth uh, as well. And um, the other concept is a fast casual breakfast concept. Um, God, it's it's slipping my mind right now. I wish I could say it. I'll, I'll remember it. Kind of like snooze, like what we have here in yeah, South End, yeah. Yeah, very, yeah. very similar to that. So okay. those are the three main concepts um, they have right now, but they're actively always looking. Um, yeah. So how did that, how, so here's you and Kirk, and you guys, again, if you guys have not heard the full story, I don't want to go through all the way through, but you guys have your full progression Right, that we went over in the last podcast of you know coming from this CrossFit esque world, moving on um, to to where you are with Metabolic and, and the brand evolution, then deciding to go franchising, and you guys grinded out yourselves nine franchises underneath you. Yeah, about ten locations, ten, nine, okay. nine or ten locations. Okay, yeah. nine or ten locations. You guys maintain corporate ownership of the two in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, was it just like fuck? It, we're growing at the rate that is doable or why, why go that way? Cause I mean, tell it to me, I'm like, they're doing great. It seems like they're just growing smooth and steady. They're not trying to grow and be the fastest growing. They're not trying to do an OTF scale rate and all that. They don't have any crazy investors behind them, you know, wanting a return on their money tomorrow. Yep. Why go with the, this group and help you accelerate it? Uh, so first thing, their concepts, daily jam. Yeah. That's the, that's the breakfast concept. Daily jam. Okay. About, so I didn't want to forget that's that. That's a great pun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we were looked at a couple times by more traditional private equity, more of the uh, here's your check co-founders sure. go away. Um, and going through that process of them vetting us, we kind of got to see behind the scenes what true scale looked like. And that started a pretty honest conversation with me and Kirk being like, you know, we're pretty, we're pretty, um, we're confident in what we do, but we're also humble within what we're not good at. And when we saw the machine behind true scale, we kind of just said, um, okay, you know, we got two ways to do this. Uh, We can grind it out to maybe 20 to 30 locations, and that would be great. How long do you think that would have taken you? Uh, I mean, a good five, 10 years. I I really believe that. Um, And who knows? But uh, there's just so much into the scale side of it, right? And then we said, if we keep just doing what we're doing, I imagine we'll be in these conversations, you know, every year. And uh, so we just stuck with what we knew. We kept grinding out. We kept um, being very uh, hyper-focused on surrounding ourselves with the right people in the right markets and not doing any kind of chance franchises, just kind of looking at slam dunk locations and slam dunk people. And then... Uh, we signed with uh, Z Growth Partners August 1st of last year, but we started the conversation in November of the year before. It was a long, drawn-out process, but the most interesting thing about this process was they said, hey, guys, um, we love what you do. We're never going to be able to do what you can do from a training concept, but what we are great at is scale. Um, we have the right connections, we have the right capital, and we know how to do this. We've been doing this for 30 years. And what we want to do is give you time back to even better the product, uh, <clears throat> better the um, opening of facilities, better the training of the trainers. And that's, I mean, like a lot of us, that's why we got into this. 
I mean, the business side of things that I'm growing to love more now, um, being mentored with some of these partners, was a very stressful part and not a thing we were great at. You know, we were guys that kind of put our heads down and led by example and good things happen, but that can only take you so far. There's a certain point you need expertise, and that's when they came in. And, you know, we're, what would that be now? We're 15 months in? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you look at that and how much of that is the sellout, the the art of the sellout, right? And and still you obviously found a firm that's going to allow you guys to, they're not going to they're not going to try to tell you, Hey, we got to go ahead and you got to start doing things this way. You can maintain what you've created, the culture, the brand, all that. We're going to help sell it for you. We know how to sell this to Mm -hmm. fitness uh, enthusiasts, fitness entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs in general. What was, and you can get a specific word if you want, but what is the trade? Like, what is the sellout for something like that? So if someone's listening to this, they're like, I think I have something, but what do I have to give up besides you know, you're not having to give up the control, but obviously they're going to take a, some part of your revenue or like, how does that work? All future franchises coming in, you have a split with them. What does that look like? No, we formed a brand new partnership. Okay. Um, so yes, equity was given up, but we also, and this was the difference in the original private equity approaches. We wanted to stay into the next level. We want to see the next level of funding that comes in. And I'll be honest, even if we, so we have a goal of getting to 200 units in about five years, right? Um, And I imagine at that point, there will be another sellout opportunity. And I don't even think I'm interested in that. And I know, I I know we, we want to see where this can go, right? Because I'll be honest, um, life is good. Um, Bills are paid. I love my day to day. Uh, So rather than I'd rather swing for the fences and rely on those two corporate stores to to fuel my lifestyle. Sure. And see what we can do over here where I knew me and my partner, Kirk, we couldn't get to that huge level, but we also have a very good life here with our two corporate stores. So giving away equity um, made sense. It was strategic because if we do this right, the eventual uh, sellout, for lack of a better sure. term, or payout could be great. Yeah. It could be awesome. And it, so do you guys see that as kind of the next tier? You get to a triple-digit number, and a, a very large firm comes by and says, hey, we would like to purchase this entire thing. We'd like to bring it under the Equinox brand or whatever the heck it may be. Is that kind of what you guys see as tier two? I don't know. Um, that would be a better question for my partner, uh my partners, to be honest, um, that's what they know. Well, that's who they are connected to, but there's no urgency to get there, which is great. Um, the funniest thing (laughs) with, with this time we're living in is we made a goal to take a full year to get our systems in a great place. So think August through August of this year, we weren't even worried about growing. Yeah. Then COVID hits. We're still not worried about growing. And we've sold 15 units during COVID. That was going to be my next question. I've seen wild. the growth. I've seen the cities. I've seen the post. I remember sharing it on WTF. And I was like, how many of those were locked and sealed pre-COVID? And how many of those were people that taking advantage of the retail spots opening up that maybe they couldn't, like they had wanted to go into a city and they couldn't because they couldn't find the real estate. And now there's going to be a lot more open real estate as some businesses die. So that's just starting now the retail play. Um, I think there's an awesome opportunity, which is only going to help 
<clears throat> the first question you asked, there's actually only two units in the pipeline. Wow. So out of the, I believe we have, we have 12 open. Um, we're going to open Wichita and uh, Jupiter, Florida in the next few months. But then we have 20 in development right now. Um, so, you know, it's, at times, you know, I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but I'm like, I wonder why people are buying gyms right now. You know, it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. But they're in any crisis, there is opportunity mm-hmm. and um, risk averse people that are they see an opportunity, they're going after it. And, you know, we've we've talked about our model, how. Luckily enough, we've always been somewhat COVID proof, and I'm not I'm not being rude about this or, or making fun of this, but because don't of, say the word contagious. Oh my oh, god! I saw I saw that post. That hurt. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and, and it's understandable. Yeah. You know what I mean? But um, you know, we always prioritize the training aspect of the workout and the type of program that we offer, and it requires a certain level of space for coaching to take place. We never realized that that six feet of coaching space that we had always granted became our biggest asset in this crisis. It was it was a little bit of dumb mm-hmm. luck based on what we were trying to put out there from a product. Hundred percent, Lee. We mm-hmm. we closed up the self made summit, and it wasn't um, I don't know. It wasn't a couple months later, and we threw these squares down, and because I wanted I wanted what Spin Studios had. I wanted to start looking at my classes more like I look at it. I look at the business of what we do now with more like airlines. How many? Se- I got X amount of seats. Mm-hmm. I know what I can get per seat. I look at the micro level economics. Did the class sell out? Did the class sell out? You know, we can zoom out and look at the the macro, but we threw those squares down pre-COVID and the numbers. That was pre-COVID. Oh, a thousand percent. So I did not know that. Oh. So I saw that. I'm like, oh, that's that's good looking. Oh, no. I did an entire vlog on it. I flew the guy who owns Signs RX. I flew him out here. Wow. I did an entire vlog where he's putting these things down. This is pre-COVID. We sent out emails, you know, December or whatever it was, kind of explaining how the new pick your spot. Because I finally got my body, you know, we upgraded to the my body to the pick a spot model. Oh, yeah. And... um People select their spots and then COVID happened and it was just like, and every CrossFitter in the world is buying gaffers tape and throwing down, you know, squares in their gyms. They're just like, this is great. Um, So with that, the other thing I want to ask about with the franchising and where you guys are now, a lot of people signing on now, and obviously you mentioned a lot of people being opportunistic uh, and seeing opportunity here. And I look at like very similar to 2008 when that or when that economic recession happened, especially in the real estate market, mm-hmm. a lot of warehouses came up available with a lot of low rent. You saw CrossFit gyms really kind of get a land grab. And that that brand, I believe, had it not kicked off right then, I think it would not have had as quick of growth because just the real estate was not as accessible for the kind of activities that that fitness model utilizes. And, and I see it now, and I think there's going to be a lot of spaces that are going to open up. Um, we had, you know, uh, RIP to I mean, Tread Happy. Are you familiar with those yeah. guys? Yeah. You know, cool little uh, treadmill, berries, Orange Theory-esque model. And they had a good little spot right there on Kingston in South End. And gone. Dunzo. Um, and there's something else already moving. But there's something already moving in there. Like, boom, it's like vultures. Like, there's so lack of real estate in density-based cool markets, like a South End, like in Atlanta, um, a San- whatever it is. As soon as someone dies, there is somebody who believes in their at-bat and that this thing is... We're going to pivot, turn, uh, get back to normal, whatever that may be. At some point, it's going to favor their business model. Are you guys talking now that in your new role, do you talk with a lot of the new franchisees? Do they, you guys interact with them a lot? 
Yeah, we do. Yeah, I mean, we do uh, bi bi monthly calls. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, there's a there's so many good points brought up there. Uh, one of the things, the real estate correction that I think is going to benefit um, the micro gym now yeah. is specific to kind of like the B plus markets. So the the Charlottes, the Austins, the Dallas, Nashville, yeah, yeah, all the all the good. Uh, the 18 hour cities yep. for lack of a better term right <clears throat> um because the weirdest thing was we were creeping up to these a market pricing or uh real estate costs but we weren't able to charge a market memberships. prices yeah so i think this needed to happen somehow to to correct so people are seeing that opportunity um yeah and i somewhat lost my train of thought there but it's it's a really interesting time for just opportunity in general like the the thing i honestly believe and i know we're going to get into the the state of the fitness yeah, industry yeah. and all this but this idea that boutique fitness is going away is is beyond laughable to me i agree i mean like our doors are rammed and wherever we are able to be open at the capacity we're allowed to be open at the doors are rammed so i realize there is um this is the time if you're a digital uh, if you're a digital product, this is your time. Sure. I get that. But the digital consumer has always been there. They will always be there. It's a segment of fitness. So is boutique fitness. It's, it ain't going anywhere. No, it's not. And this pitch like it is, is it's, it, to me, it's very laughable. And we're going to get into that because you guys have been pretty strong. You put out, when we were under hard lockdown, you guys put out a digital product per se. You guys, you know, recorded some workouts. You had your, you know, you had a, an at-home version. But once you guys are back open, that, that at-home thing, or you guys are not still recording, are you? No. It, yeah. To be honest, the viewership tanked. Yeah. Um, and I get it. Like, there's obviously... There are people that have loved ones at home that they have to care for, and they're sure. making that personal decision. We have um, healthcare workers, workers that, 100%, yeah, so yeah. that. But is but if you just looked at the the blanket average, I mean, are people that train are back training? One hundred percent. They they is. spoke right. Mm -hmm. People vote with their dollars, and you just weren't coming in there. But I want to talk about. We'll get to the digital. Um, the digital thing in a second. But going back to the franchisees, when you're talking to them, are you ever? You said it earlier, like. What's got you so fucking sure? Like, this is good. Like, do you ever hear, like, what is making them fearless to open up? Because I've got people who actually have gyms and they're scared shitless that I'm working with. Mm -hmm. And then you've got a group of people that are trying to run into the burning building. And I know a lot of gym owners trying to run the hell out. Yeah. Um, is that the belief in your, the proof of concept? They just, they see it and like, well, fuck, he's got already got how many of these things? They, they work. I got to believe in that. Are they just, they have the cash and if they were to take a loss on it it'd be you know not no, the I end of the world i don't think it's that because we're just starting to see more of that true investor looking at opportunity now like up to this point we were an owner operator kind of driven focus and also it was what we prioritize just because it's what we are comfortable with but i think there's two aspects you have the savvy investor now seeing um the opportunity in real estate and then we the, <sighs> Um, funny, we came from the CrossFit world. We know that that has very much slowed down. Our uh, strength-driven approach is almost like, this is a terrible, it's almost like how CrossFit started out and was so different because they came in with this barbell-driven, badass attitude and pretty much told the world that what we are doing is far superior to you. Sure. Right? And now you have the big, big players like the F-45s and the Orange Theories and even like what Burn Boot Camp's done and Nine Round and 
high intensity interval yep. boot camp kind of stuff, right? And there's been this removal of a strength bias approach. And I think so I think that coupled with, well, what is gonna happen if the F forty five and Orange Theory's new norm is an eighteen person class versus their thirty six person class? There's a lot of boutique fitness people that are going to be looking for a home. What about those cycle studios? What about those yoga studios? Like people are used to a certain product that could be gone. So I think the opportunity of having this strength driven model plus a very good operational capacity is getting that savvy business owner like, hmm, and by the way, we can get real estate much cheaper than we could 12 months ago. Yeah. And, and like for everyone listening, you think of a visual of a teeter tart. You had CrossFit in the early days, pop on the scene, very, just so you said, very strength driven, drop that barbell. Cardio is just wielding the barbell faster, right? <laughs> kind of thing. And then you had a huge shift on the spectrum to the, you know, what I say, the same model, different color lights, eat the frogs, berries, orange theory type models, high cardio based models. And there hasn't been, a, which leaves a lot of white space in the middle. And if those models start cannibalizing themselves, the fact that a orange theory uh, customer leaves and tests the market, she's going to realize it. 80% of the things she goes to, it's the same thing I was doing before. At Tread Happy, it was the same. Eat the Frog, it's the same. You know, uh, F45 is a little bit different, a little bit too chaotic, but they, they come into a, a metabolic, even what we've created with our movement, it it does fall in this middle ground space. And I think that's where it's the stickiest. It just, and again, even if it's, you know, whatever your lifetime client value is, like how long that person stays sticky for whatever reason, as long as it meets your economic engine needs for the business, for viability, I definitely see that in that strength driven thing. You guys, the nice thing I love about it, and I've said this on every podcast we've ever done, anytime I've given commentary on, on your brand, that's what it's been since day one. Mm -hmm. That what that is that wasn't a sexy pivot because you saw Orange Theory catching steam and you wanted to be the yin to the yang. It, that's literally what it's been since day one. Yeah. We've always uh, we've always moved weight. Um, <clears throat> you know, we fine tuned our model, but I mean, I was looking at um, I was looking at my training notes from 2012. And one of like the, the way I used to kick off our training camps for our new trainers come on was strength is our number one priority. It is going to drive the focus of every day, every cycle, every week we create. We will sprinkle in the complementary movements after we have decided what strength-based movement we are going to do. And that was like 2012. You know, now we've made it part of our tagline because it, like you said, it's relevant in the market right now because it's not common but it has always been part of what we do. Yeah. yeah, everyone, I can't tell you, you know, I've got probably seven books up here that I, I skim them and just so I can give them to, you know, when people say, I need to try to think of a name for my thing. I want it to sound special. I want it to sound unique. And I'm like, and I'll use you guys as an avatar, sometimes Orange Theory. I'm like, hey, tell me, what's the name of Orange Theory's class? And they're like, huh? I'm like, it's called 9.30 a.m. It's called 6 p.m. Like you don't have to fucking name anything. What is what does Matt Ballard do? Strength driven interval, right? Like, you know, that it, you don't have to come up with a brand new fucking name. The ingredients we're all doing are the same, right? Yeah. We're all using the same ingredients, for the most part, the same tools. It's the way it's delivered. It's the recipe mm -hmm. that, that really makes the difference. And I think for a lot of people, especially people I spoke to after you spoke at the Self-Made Summit, um, if they went and checked out your studios while they were here in Charlotte, it was just like, guys, you see how simple. There's nothing. You don't walk in there and get your hair blown back by the invention of a new ingredient. Just the thought and the purposefulness of putting together that recipe and it just being 
fucking consistent and very efficient and not only operational capacity, but also client experience. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea of not wanting clients to sit around for 35, 45 minutes and rolling out in the corner of the gym, having gossip time. Like you want professionals who have jobs to get to, businesses to get to, families to get to, shit to do. And the the gym is more a pillar of their schedule versus the best hour of the day. Yeah, and it's <clears throat> that process for the these clients looking for a sexy name. I'll give you a tip. Make it simple. I mean, we even... We had countless meetings about the word conditioning because when we said strength and conditioning, when you say that to the general public, do they know what conditioning means? When we say athleticism, do they, do they relate that to, well, I'm not an athlete? So what we were like, okay, we're strength-driven and interval training is very popular right now. So we're strength-driven interval training. It's probably the least sexy sure. thing we could have done and I find that as we scale, if this makes any sense, the bigger we get, the kind of more condensed um, the delivery is, yeah. the more simple it is. And yeah. we made all the mistakes early on trying to have the right, cool, sexy tagline. Yeah. At one point, I think our first tagline was contagious athletic chaos. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> like, to be honest, and it's nothing what yeah. we do. I mean, sure, it's contagious, uh, athletic, cool. You yeah. lost people there because you're not an athlete. Sure. And now you're saying chaos. chaos you're not yeah. organized. So, yeah. like, it's just wild. It's it's so funny. You know, there's great brand. Uh, locally, uh, Eric McCoy, he uh, used to own Stacks, and he, yeah. he's opened up Spoons. So those spoons location the trucks is, and he, you know he's the king of the sex. Like superfoods, super fast, just like great little one liners. Everyone I think wants that, but at the end of the day, simple always wins because simple doesn't confuse people. And the second you confuse people, they're fucking on. Mm -hmm. They're gone down the the thumb scroll. Um, let's move on. So uh, another really cool thing happened, and is that the ascension of a very key player in your organization in the HR and the org chart, Finley, who yep. just had her first child. Correct. Yep. Finley was your GM here at the South End location, right? She was. And uh, she is, yeah. Three, yeah. yeah. And then you guys in January of this year, you um, you officialized it. Um, she is now a part owner as well, correct? Yes. Talk to me about that because there's a, there's a lot of employees and places that are really happy where they're at and they think about what is my ability to ascend. Now, she could have, I would assume, possibly, but like, hey, me and my husband are going to move the blank and we're going to open up a franchise there, right? Mm -hmm. And she could have maybe taken that route, which are probably most organizations, they would generally do that before bringing them on the ownership. Walk me through that whole process. Um, I mean, Finn, to me, is one of a kind. So she's done some amazing things through our business. We met her as a young um, woman out of college. Um, she has a one... She has a content marketing like background, so she had that. <clears throat> but you know how she's very brash in her own way. Yeah. So she came on as a very a young woman in her early 20s as a client. Within a year, I believe, and I might be doing this all wrong, but within a year, she's a trainer. And then she just worked her way up to a point where she stepped in um, in a GM opportunity role, which was interesting because it was like leave a massive corporate America job paying real well yeah where we put a <clears throat> I mean I'll just say it we put a half a salary in front of her of what she was making with a bonus structure that could take her above the salary because of the type of individual she is that drove she's like yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna kill this yeah and she did um, so we started off in her GM role making a real simple decision on here's what our numbers look like today 
as soon as we go past that, you have a percentage on growth. And um, when we got to the point of the franchise growing and knowing that me and Kirk are being pulled away from the Charlotte model, we really wanted, I mean, she was already part of our team. So I, we felt natural to offer her that opportunity. And, you know, as we grow here, we're not really done in Charlotte. So like we would entertain a third location, you know, selfishly corporately. Yeah. Selfishly, we wanted to do a real high end uptown location. Thank God. (laughs) Good, good fucking move, brother. Can you imagine? God. Uptown in Charlotte, for you guys don't know, is a fucking, it's a, it's a desert right now. Yeah. It's not good. We also like the west side of town, so like the Fremont West area. So we will look at a third one, and we thought, um, yeah, we needed her to actually look at that. Um, so, it, it, you know what, it wasn't as complicated as you would think. She was already a part of our team, and I, it felt only right to at least offer her that opportunity sure. to come in. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I mean, significant enough, you know, in a given year, the two owners of this thing, you guys have grown this, you've brought in uh, the Z growth in, they're taking a piece of equity, uh, you're bringing Finn in, she's got a little piece of equity, like they're, that, it changes things, but you guys are obviously able to see, you know, it's not always more, do- you know, you got to play the long game, the game of chess in a lot of these moves. And when you mm-hmm. look at like with Finley coming in, you also knew she was going to be planning. Did you know she was going to be, she was pregnant at that time, right? Um, Just as, re- as the discussion started, that kind of happened. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, she's already back in the gym. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. She's you can't she, keep her out. Yeah. She's coming back in a month on the operational side of things. I think December third she's back or something but as soon as she was cleared she's back training yeah um even when she didn't feel comfortable getting into class yet she was in off hours training with her husband landon sure so she's a badass yeah and, you know isaac uh she's about a year or so in front of finley and same thing you know you have that key person out was that was that also was that an awakening for you guys that you guys were you and kirk more boots on the ground when she was gone for on pregnancy leave and all that well, we also have um, Dakota Brown. Yeah, that's uh, he. You know, he took over GM while she was there, or when she went when she uh, went on maternity leave, and um, he's also like an operational lead too. So he did a great job. <clears throat> um, we have Jay Colson, who's like a workhorse from a. So we we have a. We have a deep bench. We do, and I and you know what I hate. It's not a lucky thing. Like we've always led by example, and like people have gravitated towards wanting to be part of the team. You know that's the way we always seem to promote from within. Um, so a lot of times, even like in a newer facility or maybe a, a location that wants to be doing better, they'll be like, "Oh well, uh, you know that's that's because it's Charlotte." I'm like, "No, it's Charlotte, Charlotte because of Charlotte. The sure. way we did it in Charlotte." Hundred percent. So. Yeah, and the other thing I want to say too is part of the the Finley deal. It wasn't just Finley. Her husband Landon is a very bright individual. Um, came from a, a commercial real estate background. Is now working through a startup. So he very much is a person we have a lot of trust in too. That it was um, a package deal. They're friends of ours, but they're also workhorses, so they complement what we do. When you guys were looking at that, you know, because a lot, you know, I talk in, in an HR setting. You've got two things to trade on. You have fulfillment of the job and compensation. And like you did, like my start is very, you know, bringing eyes again. She left Bank of America corporate job. And I said, hey, how's $600 a month sound, right? And here's what that progression could look like. 
in the beginning, what advice do you have for guys that are listening to this and they maybe have a Finley or an Isaac or they presume to be a Finley or an Isaac and they're like, I, I know I've given them all the fulfillment in the world. They are so much happier here than at their previous job or they came out of college and this is exactly what they want to be doing. But I know as life goes on, the need for additional compensation happens, right? Like I joke right now, like I tell people, I'm not charming enough to be able to get Isaac now if when she's got a kid and she's married and all that at $600 a month, there's no way I'd be able to do that. Like the compensation, her, her fulfillment, I wouldn't be able to leverage her fulfillment and have the shit compensation if she was further along. I always joke around, they need to be, you know, single, not married, no kids. Ideally, that's like the <laughs> ideal starting spot. Can't you know, say that out loud. Kid, yeah, <laughs> they need to fit that mold. What advice do you have for anyone who is saying that they think they have that GM, that person could grow with them, and and they're trying to figure out how to make this? And you guys obviously went with a commission performance based structure as mm-hmm. well, like commission plus performance. I mean, yeah. sorry, base plus performance. Yeah, pay early. Yeah, like in all f- <clears throat> that we've. Early on, that was the big mistake we made. We didn't pay early enough for a lot of things. Uh, didn't um, buy the right equipment quick enough. Didn't upgrade the equipment quick enough. Didn't market quick enough. Um, and, you know, I could say that just pay early, actually. Um, yeah. And I would say, like, from a, what we're looking at now is, so we're, we talked about we are actually looking at um, true investors now that are coming in and saying, okay, I want to lock up the Dallas market and I'm going to do three locations. I expect to every six months start the process of opening a new one. And the first thing we talk about, okay, who is your, who's your person? Like who is that general manager, lead trainer? Who's the jockey? Yeah, we've been using kind of like this analogy uh, lately about having like a starting lineup, you know, and you almost think about um, just because it's popular right now, like the last dance. Yeah. So if you think of like, you need your franchise, you need Michael Jordan, right? And then you also need your Scottie Pippen, your complimentary player, and you need your Phil Jackson. You can have a lot of, you know, sprinkles around. You could have the wild card like Dennis Rodman and this and that that may pan out or may not. You can have some wily vet that's been around the game forever, but you need the person who people pay to see. You need the guy that does everything for the team and you need the brains behind the business that actually makes things happen and keeps the glue together, right? So we've been using this analogy lately and um, we're now leading with it. We used to wait too long to introduce the importance of this. And now the second someone signs a franchise agreement, the next day they're on the phone with me and Kirk. We're talking about what does your starting lineup look like? So I, I yeah. love that. So hold on. We're going to update the video. Sorry, kids, we had video issues. Now I want to know this. It, from that HR, that, that kind of lineup, and I, I love that idea that The Last Dance is probably one of the best docs I've watched in a yeah. while. The Defiant ones before that, I watched that. That was, uh, that was amazing. With the lineup, what do you do as your Michael Jordan, the one they pay to see? How, how do you guys look at that? You know, you saw SoulCycle really change the landscape of pay per head, pay per celebrity, pay per, you know, uh, you know, the entertainer, someone that they come to see. And in the metabolic model, do you have people that are coming in like I'm coming in because it's Finley's class or is there, I'm coming in because it's 6 p.m. and that's when I fucking get it, get in. It really doesn't matter to me. Do you guys have that popularity model? Like you see spin studios have that a lot. Um, yeah, both. Okay. Both. I, I think what, um, 
So we, we used to have this analogy that uh, Kirk and I used early on. We're like, <clears throat> let's make the workout so good that a guy could actually come in class and be like, man, I hate that brand and he's an asshole. But <laughs> I'm here. Oh, I still yeah. had a good workout. So we do have some headhunting. But I would say that I feel confident that 80 to 90% of the clients that they couldn't get into their class would be happy to take another class because of what they get out of the class. Sure. Yeah. Do you see that with those, you know, with trainers? Obviously, there's, you know, there's a shelf life on someone who's going to be on the floor coaching. Mm -hmm. How do you view the ascension of, an, of, a, of a trainer within the metabolic system as they start getting closer? Like, I'll be honest, brother, I do not want to be opening up the gym and coaching that 5 a.m. class anymore. What, what are the more administrative roles? Because you guys, the one thing from what I know about your model in our first conversation, you run very lean mm -hmm. on that side, which I think to your credit is something the fitness industry generally doesn't do very well. It generally is pretty bloated on the payroll side, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think the main reason is um, most of the successful big players, they really are a guerrilla marketing machine that they, that is a fitness product. Um, we've always been more of like a retention model <coughs> where we aren't trying, we don't need to put 300 new faces in the door every month because we're losing 30% of our membership base. I mean, we will put 50 to 100 new faces in the door a month, we'll convert 30% of them and hold on to them for a couple years. So we've always been more of a retention business where we're not sell, sell, sell. There's not people, uh, three people behind a desk selling the shit sure. out of you. Um, but they're just different models, right? I have no clue how to play the guerrilla marketing game. I don't want to be there. It seems very competitive and it seems exhausting. I'd rather focus on kind of what we do um, the more the retention game. Yeah. Yeah. So when someone's going through that and I, cause I get this question a lot, but like I got a guy, he's great. I don't know. There's a ceiling already for me, Stu. I already, he, he can see the ceiling and I can see the ceiling. I want to create a new ceiling. Do you ever in your model and with a, a franchise model, could someone get to that point? Cause we can't make everybody an owner right mm -hmm. now franchise ors or the franchise that your franchisees who are owner operators could potentially follow your playbook, finding their Finley, riding that person as a GM for a while, proving them, putting the time and then offer them some ownership. Or yep. do you guys see that as that's one of the benefits of a franchise model? Someone could come up through the system and then be like, I want to ascend. There is a ceiling here. There's an owner operator. I'm never going to be him. He's not going to let me buy in as a, or you know, become an owner. So now I can go franchise my own thing. Is there any kind of NDA? Do you have any blockage there? Or is that, is that something that you see people use to keep people within the metabolic family? Well, you're actually internalizing it the way we would hope everybody would just internalize it. You're going to have a shelf life. I'll be honest. So I'm turning 40 this year. They're not, you know, in our 25 to 45 year old kind of core customer, like I'm aging out. Yes. My partner Kirk's 45. We're constantly looking for shh, that 27, no kids, yep. hungry young person. And like, that's not a rude thing to say. That's just, they have time to do this. Correct. Right. And I think what we have done is even right now, we have two people in a pipeline that we don't need trainers, but we're talking to them now. Have you ever thought about being a trainer? Or I know you're a trainer. Would you ever consider in the next six to 12 months working here in the Charlotte model kind of thing? And I think people wait too long where all of a sudden life happens and, hey, I'm pregnant or I want to move out to Ballantyne. And, you know, unfortunately, you're now screwed. 
Um, and I think people don't think about that. We have had very loyal trainers in the Charlotte uh, corporate stores, but also too, there is always transition and you always have to be thinking about who could be next. When we think about the role of digital and we touched on it earlier, you know, my big thing is I, I, I agree with you. Brick and mortar is definitely not going away. I've got a I've got a very impressive liquor cabinet at home, and I like to make a Manhattan at home. But I also sometimes like to go to Tiber Creek and get my drink there too. I want the experience. That's not going away. Um, you know, at the end of November, Apple releases Fitness Plus. I did a, a segment on that. And my the reason I'm interested in Fitness Plus more than I am anything else. Apple has always done one thing. They've taken the obscure and they've made it mainstream. Do you remember the first time you saw someone with AirPods and you're like, look at that douchebag with cigarettes in his ear. Everybody has them. Yeah. The watch. I've never worn a watch. I, I, I'm never getting a watch. I own a fucking watch. They just have the ability to yeah. just take something. And in and in less than a month, there's going to be Fitness Plus on uh, whatever percentage Apple has of the cell phone population. Everyone's going to have everyone's going to have touched a digital fitness thing now because digital fitness is still an early frontier, uh, especially at the brick and mortar level. Where does Metabolic see the future of that? Do you guys see it? You know, it's going to be, hey, listen, we're this is we're going to. We got through COVID. We're going to continue to get through COVID. We're going to stay digital list. Is this something you bring in in a hybrid application in the future? What, how do you see this? Yeah, so it's, um, I think we want to stay away from that to a degree. I'm going to, I'm going to completely uh, contradict that exact uh, comment. As all good business owners yeah. do. <laughs> so uh, good example. So didn't Nike just release theirs for free? Yeah. So like... If you want to go play with Nike and Apple, yeah, you know, have fun. Yes, like that's gonna be a, be a rough day. <laughs> that's yeah. gonna be a rough day. So, two years ago, Kirk and I decided, okay, how could we reach professional and collegiate athletes? So we started building out a digital in your garage platform. It was based on performance athletics, where we would introduce some core barbell lifts at the start of the day. And then you would finish with a metabolic type workout and it was going to be metabolic performance. We built out 80% of this online beautiful model that we were going to start testing with hockey uh, guys we used to play with and current players. Z growth partnership happens. This was one of the things we were like, what do we think about this? They said, let's put it on the back burner and focus on scale. Boom. COVID happens. We have 80% of a platform ready to go for performance athletes. So what we decided to do was we know that this hybrid thing is going to, it's going to be an expectation, at least for some time. An amenity like the apartment complex. Like you, yep. do you have a pool? I'm never going to probably use it, but I'd like to know the pools there. Yeah. So instead, so what we did was real simple. We removed this idea of performance and we're like, okay, <clears throat> how can we make this a value add to what we're already doing? So we're going to be a brick and mortar business that for our paying membership, we are going to deliver online content as well. We're going to use it for a few different things. And it's really now morphed into something where now you're kind of like, why did we not ever think about this to begin with? Right. So pretty much what we're going to have is any member, if they're on the road, um, on vacation, has access to a metabolic driven workout. The other thing we're going to use is say we're going into a new market and we're two months out and that training staff doesn't have a space. Perfect. Now we can train them with the metabolic language, the metabolic movements and get them up to speed quicker before they launch in the market. And then it also has a unique ability like what if we wanted to go test Europe 
to see if there was a market there prior to us ever thinking about going there. So this performance thing has become this massive value add and training tool. And I think we're set to release it in the first quarter of the ne- of next year. I like it. Um, it could be ready earlier, but I, you know, with, with COVID right now, over promising and under delivering is not yeah. something I'm comfortable with, but we're not going to try to create a different business. We're not going to try to sell this as something it's not. It's going to be a beautiful value add to our membership base that, uh, it'll be, like you said, it's going to become an expectation sure. and it'll be a nice, easy thing that helps prop up the paying member. Yeah. I look at it. It's, you know, your core competency is in real life group fitness. And then you have things like apparel. That's not how you make your money. It just, it's like number one, it's expected. Number two, it's complimentary. Number three, whatever. And then I look at this digital thing as the same thing. Cause especially in our market, I don't know. I like how many clients I have come to us and like, Hey, we got to cancel. Like, oh, that sucks. Why are you canceling? Like, I'm, I'm studying for the bar, Charlotte Law. I'm just going to be in a fucking book 60 hours a week. I'm like, well, what do you do about working out? Are you going to quit? You going to quit working out? They're like, well, no, I just, I got to save money. I can't come here. Well, how about I downsell you to twenty four ninety five for movement anywhere, right? Like, and it's with the the people you love, the, the brand you love, the workouts you know, all that stuff. And I think I've been getting a lot more people on board with the idea of, you don't need to change your business model. You need to create a complimentary service. And again, the nice thing about this is once you've shot those 30, 50, 60 videos, they're there. Mm-hmm. They live there. I mean, it is a lot of upfront work, a lot of upfront work, depending if you're going in OTT platform or a flex platform studio or however you're going to get it and distribute it to the client, custom apps, whatever you're doing. A lot of upfront work. Keep it updated regularly to a degree, but otherwise you've got this great body of work. It's like people who sell e-courses online. It's, it, you know, it's a very self-fulfilling thing yeah. with little overhead once it's in the ecosystem. You know, there's, there's very little recurring overhead there. The biggest pipe or the biggest bottleneck I see, models like mine, models like yours, CrossFit's got so fucked on this, recreating that fitness experience at home yeah. with a with a supply chain China issue with equipment is a huge thing. Like, you know, we have these gymnastics rings in here and I've been saying forever, like, I don't want the rings. We had the pull-up bars, I think, what you guys did. I'm like, I don't want these things because I couldn't get them in the in home for people as well. And this is all pre-COVID. How can I get someone to buy something from me that we use here and then they could take home too? Because they might want to do a garage workout on a Saturday with their kid instead of coming to Urban Movement. And that's always been a thing. And then when COVID happened, it just further cemented it into me. How do we utilize, how do we create an at-home experience that doesn't, you know, that uh, doesn't require someone to grab a can of paint and swing it? Yeah, so our, our version, and I don't, I don't mind sharing this, is uh, we are going to leverage what we think we do well, and it's delivering the, the workout of the day. We're not turning it into a class. We're going to teach them how to do the movements through, through the movements. Yep. We'll have a clock that starts the workout, and we are going to heavily play the, um, the strength aspect of it. So what I mean is, like – not everyone's going to have a rower. Not everyone's yeah. going to have a bike. Yep. So we're going to remove that need for like a heavy bag, a bike, and really focus on moving weight. So to give an example, what we're throwing around is this idea of like, so if you are a, in our class, in black, strong male. That's your strong aisle lane. Yeah. Here's the set of dumbbells and the set of kettlebells that will get you through our workouts. And we're going to highly focus on the strength component of things. And... Um, because 
it's not a business. It's getting you back into the gym. It's it's allowing you to stay training on vacation. It, it's the value sure. add as opposed to, which is kind of funny. And, I, and it, you know what I think really hurt some of the uh, the big brands is when they had to go digital and you remove the experience, the high fives, the the like the music, the um, the cheerleading, and that, and all of a sudden the you're like flat. You're like, this is like jumping jacks and burpees. Like, yeah. this is not that good. And yeah. I think all of a sudden you had in the public eye these powerhouses are now put on a pedestal, and they're like, that's actually not that great of a workout. And I think the asset we had is we never put you through this this workout and this rah-rah, it's like, here's the movements we're going to introduce today. Here's the work to rest ratios. Here's what we want you to look out for. Now go uh, do your workout on yeah. your own. I've always so. been a big fan. And, and you know, we've done it here. I've seen your studio, the difference between cheerleading and coaching, you know, I, you know, coaching can't happen screaming at 60. You guys don't <laughs> use mics, yeah. correct? No, neither do we. And the reason why is because we do more coaching. You literally walk up to one person, you give them an input, they do it, the movement differently. You give a tactile visual or uh, verbal cue, and then you move on to the next person. The idea of screaming to 24 people <laughs> constantly that's why mics are, that's why some studios have to have mics. That's yep. why I, I don't think my model will ever need a mic because coaching should be done. It should be a one-on-one -on -one conversation, make your way through and touch everybody X amount of times per class, whatever that, that quota is. And I agree. And, and I think this is a good segue into just as digital fitness will have a home, the cheerleading gym will have a home. So will the brick and mortar coach dri coaching driven model will have a home. So like, everyone's going hard lines on like, this is not going to work. Like even like, even though I'm worried for the cycling studio, sure. Cycling will happen yes, in a will. group environment at some point. hundred percent. I mean, it, it like it's there, they've all been around. I've been making the joke recently about, um, you know, like the Peloton and, and the mirror kind of side of things. It, it's P90X on a wall. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's, we've had this at home fitness. Now it's just more Jetsons. Is all it is. I was having a conversation with someone. He's like, you realize like the Eastern side of this world dealt with SARS really, really bad, relatively, re very relatively recently. Yeah. And pre in between the SARS and COVID, there are a lot of spin studios that opened up. Mm -hmm. So like this, I mean, like it's, I think everyone's scared is, is operational capacity, this model of, you know, uh, a good amount of people in a small amount of space for your, you know, your economic engine. Is that going to change? Are we going to need more space? Do we need where? No, I like I, I berries will get back to, you know, 30, 40 some people in a class. I don't know when it'll yeah. be slow and steady. Um, but I think it, during that time, though, well, like you said, right now is the time for our mo models like my models like yours, even CrossFit gyms, to eat away at some of these bigger players because the bigger players cannot service their current clientele base. That Orange Theory down the street from us has 400, 500, however many clients, 600 clients. They can't get into classes at 18-person caps right now. It just, there's not enough, there's no way. Yeah. And so those people will go and try other shit. And they probably, if they would have tried your stuff first, it's probably sticky enough. They would have never even made their way to Orange Theory. And it's, I think it's just really interesting. I'm, I'm very curious to see what the, those, those big groups that have been leading the charge will look like here in 24 months when they've had this lull 
And the other thing too is like, I want Orange Theory to survive. I want F45 to keep doing well. I want cycle and yoga to be back because like a vibe, like we live in an amazing city. Yes. Like a lot of people, if For you're fitness, not, especially. Yeah, if, if you're not um, from Charlotte, like I would put it up there, like from a competitiveness, a quality of uh, gym you're going to, like we are an amazing city. So I like, them being successful has we've always been successful i don't want them failing no um at all with that being said um there's two ways this happens there's going to come a point where and this isn't fitness bars restaurants uh, live music going to church there's going to be a point where the general public says "Fuck it i'm getting back to normal i don't know when that is and if some humongous restrictions become the norm membership prices are just going to go up because the person that's paying $200 a month or 150 a month, if now they are one of 200 people, there's going to be people that'll pay $300 a month. Like it will happen. Yeah. It'll work itself out in a weird way. Um, so I just hope that I just hate seeing people fail right now. It's, it's really, you know, I know we're in a terrible time from the crisis and this and that, and, and then that's bad. But seeing, like, businesses go under in your own local city is awful to look at, too. It's yeah. terrible. And, you know, in the first three months of this thing, I had a lot of, not a lot of empathy. If you, if, you, if you drop dead in the first three months, there was obviously a tumor. There's something that was very fatal already occurring within the business. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now we're going on eight months, 11, you know, nine months, wherever we're at now, if you're, if you, if you're from Seattle listening to this, you've been in it for, you know, the majority, you know, you, this should start a few in February, you know, and there's a lot of people that hanging on ultimately comes to, did I get a deal on my rent? It, that, that ultimately is just the thing. Uh, do you, do you foresee people re looking at the size of their spaces? I had, you know, I made a post today and it was my operational capacity math showing. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I you know, it. I look at you guys like a bells and balls uh, model and this is how much square footage and yoga, this is how much square footage and someone commented like, yeah, but with the new restrictions, Stu, I don't know. But like, bottom line is all the, the, the math is still exactly the same, just the numbers per class go down. Mm-hmm. Do you see people, do you foresee for the fitness industry, people looking at wasting little to no of their real estate and kind of thing like the airline model we talked about. Do I have enough people in the seats? Am I charging enough per seat? That kind of thing. And changing the fitness model. Like I, I truly believe pull-up rigs, like we know them, like the ones that I removed out of here in 2017, there are, I mean, they're kind of look, they look like something should be in a museum one day. We're going to like laugh. Like remember when we had these giant welded <laughs> structures to do a back squat and toes the bar on? That was pretty much it. Yeah. And, like we're going to look at that. We're gonna, I mean, the barbell even. Like I remember when I got those shorty ones, we were walking around one time and we were talking about it, like the amount of wasted space on a barbell for the average person. Why has someone not created a, like a dumbbell with the plants and you could like a fucking lightsaber and extend? Like why is that not a thing? Why isn't Elon Musk on that shit? The boring company needs to make a fucking extendable barbell <laughs> that people can have in an apartment. Sure. Why? So do you, I believe a couple, I believe there's gonna be an evolution, a revolution of fitness equipment in the pursuit of better operational capacity. And I believe people will be looking at the footprint of their space and how much they utilize um, and more efficiently. Do, do you think we're going to see that people look more like what you've done in orange theory, maximizing every do- like looking at everywhere on the school floor is a dollar mark and how do we utilize it? Yeah, I think you'll see that definitely in the, um, like the Orange Series, the Cycle Studios, the Hot Yoga Studios. The thing I've been wondering, and I'm interested to see if this happens, if you are a product that believes you're a little bit destinational 
do we see what happened in the CrossFit days early on where you would see more or airport hangar type places open that are not in the hot parts of the city? That people will drive 10 to 15 minutes to go to the gym that's giving them the workout that they want. Like, I could see that happening. Um, the interesting thing, I, I think what we don't know is, you know, I think after the election, we're going to just have a better direction, no matter what way it goes. I, I mean, like, it just will have an, an idea of what's going to happen. And if a shutdown is needed, I think there's going to be a very different response that's going to be demanding a lot more help from like a government side of things. I mean, I'm seeing it in Canada. Uh, my sister runs our one lo uh, Canadian location just outside of Toronto. And the government is taking care of 70% of the rent and the landlord pays for 25% of it or something crazy. It's like incredible. the amount of help that they're getting. Now, I don't know what that does to their taxes sure. over 10 years. It's not going to be pretty. It, it never is in Canada, but I think the response of where we sit here, if, if another shutdown is forced, I think you're going to see a very different temperature from the small business owner that believes they've already done their part. And I'm not looking forward to that either. Like um, revolt? I just, yeah, I think like, no, I'm not shutting. Like you're actually, you're actually killing me at this point. So I won't shut. Um, it's all bad. Um, so I, so I don't know what to expect, but... Um, Do you see the story of Attilus Gym? It's in uh, Belmar, New Jersey. Yeah. Hardcore, red-blooded guys. So I've got them coming on the podcast tomorrow. <laughs> They're the ones that literally went and partnered with Rick Mehta, who was a Senate uh, a Republican running for set, whatever it was, mm -hmm. and literally turned the gym into a uh, campaign headquarters and had all the members enlisted as volunteers because there's a law in New Jersey that you cannot interfere with a, a campaign headquarters. Like, I mean, there's the videos, those guys kicking in their doors, $300,000, they have been sent in fines. Really? Yeah, they're the, the government, like when this is all said and done, Someone will be sitting here waiting to figure out or, uh, you know, um, you know, plea it down or whatever it is. But it's currently $300,000 they have in fines. Well. <laughs> so you're thinking like that kind of level of like. Yes, but it, but the other thing, too, is I'm thinking outside of our city, like from what I've seen in Charlotte, it's been amazing how well people are doing everything. Yes. Um, you know, I have seen other markets that are pretty much taking a very aggressive approach, but every place I've been in Charlotte is doing an unbelievable job with cleaning measures and this and that. I think um, you're starting to also see a lot of governing bodies come out that we need to redefine what the fitness industry is. We need to make ourselves essential. So Man, it's wild. I mean, who do you think we have government regulate? Because the fitness industry was is it, we we talked about this when, yeah. you know, I remember you and me going back and forth when there were uh, other fitness owners in Charlotte wanting to go and do a workout in front of the governor's house and all this other stuff. It, we're not regulated. Mm -hmm. It's it's a unique thing. There's other industries like the salon industry and things like that that are very tightly regulated. Do you think we'll see that? Because one of the biggest issues, I and again, I'm not I, I'm not political at all. But if I'm a governor. One of the things I'm like, 
might be saying with the fitness, why I might hold fitness back is I don't fucking know what these guys are doing. I've got no, there's no, can you, can any of you people in my cabinet or whatever, tell me what fitness people do to like, well, they really do whatever they want, sir. Well then no, just fuck it. I don't, I'm not, I have no idea. You know, it's like salons. What are they doing? Oh, well here's the 38 point manual. They have to follow in the state of North Carolina. Sure. Okay. Do you think we're going to see any kind of regulation? You know what? I'm almost, uh, I'm not against it being, you need to maintain this staff needs to wear masks. You need to have 15 minutes between class. As long as there's a level playing field, I think that gives, um, some comfort in being able to run your business. Um, I think that's what's hurt us, uh, or not that not hurt us frustrated us is how can it be dangerous to be a fitness facility where pretty much you have contract trace boutique fitness, sure. sorry. Pretty much you have contact tracing built into your model. You know, every single piece of equipment that's touched, you know, when people sign in, come and go, you could isolate um, uh, an exposure or a potential exposure. So let's, but, but you guys are dangerous, but like, let's go to Target. Let's go to a restaurant. Let's go like, let's go to the ABC store. Yeah. Like it, that's the frustrating part. Just make it a level playing field for everything. Um, no half measures and based on industry, all that stuff. Yeah. Even like if you look at, so like you're not political and, and I'm not a, like a religious person, but like when someone says it's okay to go to church and it's not okay to go to a gym, I'm like, well, that makes zero sense to me. Mm -hmm. The gym is my church. Sure. So that's like, that makes no sense to me if masks and six feet of distance work here. Great. I just want, I would just love to see however we come out of this. I mean, it's a scary week the numbers in the world. Um, I hope that it's just done in a universal way. Yeah. yeah. I think my fear, my only fear on regulation or uh, uh, regulation of the industry is the, the ISSAs of the world mm -hmm. and the ACEs of the world becoming the leading educational entity that myself and any employees would have to get just like a board of cosmetology has mm -hmm. in, in each state. And I think, I know, um, you know, one of the good things I was always a big Greg Glass. I loved his bombastic nature, right? You know, for good or bad. But one of the things he fought on Capitol Hill was fighting the 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 pursuit. There was a bill on the floor to regulate the fitness industry back in 2013, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And that it died um, right there on the floor, which is exactly what I had hoped happened at the time because the organization pushing it, I believe if it wasn't the NSCA, it was the ISSA or NFPT or something similar like that. Like, shit, are we all going to now have to have this one specific cert because they have a lobbying entity with the, the particular government organization that's pushing this? Yeah. And I think that I think that's the only fear I have of the regulation. But otherwise, I do believe there's a lot of poorly managed riffraff in the fitness industry yeah. that could use a swift kick in their ass by a random inspection by the state that, no, you can't have your dog's ball hair all over the fucking floor and you know this is disgusting and, and and everything to that nature and i think the people doing it right welcome that yes like um i know your facility we're sitting in here i know all of our facilities and i know a lot of our colleagues and friends and i know they are doing it right um so i anything like that i'm like please like, let somebody please come in and see how well we are doing this. I would welcome that. So I wouldn't be against it. But, yeah, having to have one specific certification. Yeah. And there's because yeah. I can't think of one that I would want to be like, that's the one. No. Right? Like, there's no, there's nothing out there right now. No, there's not. And, uh, you know, especially since, you know independent enterprises like yourself where you have your own certifying you know that is insured and it's just all in-house and all that and then be like all right but we also got to go take this fucking issa online cpt cert 
But we actually do um, just because um, insurance. Yeah. I mean, we still have to carry one of these BS certifications that protect you legally. <laughs> it's kind of funny when um, when someone becomes a trainer, you know, we say, so listen, you have to have some nationally accredited certification to protect you legally. And then we'll teach you how to actually be a trainer. <laughs> It's terrible yeah, yeah. that you go take this online <laughs> test. It'll take you about 12 minutes. You'll be good. Yeah. So, but it is what it is. And, and that's kind of like where, where I sit now is like, just make it an exact way to do things and allow us to follow the exact way to do things. And if that was having, uh, um, an ACE certification, maintaining six feet of distance, uh, having 15 minutes between class and all of your trainers have to wear a mask in class. Boom. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. Well, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. My man, I, uh, I greatly appreciate you taking the time out to come on in and jam with me. It's always a pleasure. Um, if anyone's, they, they want to reach out, like a lot of individuals right now have maybe shut down their doors. Mm-hmm. I, I truly believe right now, I believe there's a lot of doors that are shut. There are a lot of trainers without jobs. And I don't see a lot of those people going back to working at Bank of America. I truly believe there's a lot of people that are going to be wanting to stay in the fitness industry. And there could have been entrepreneurs who took their swing at it. And they're like, you know what? I, I didn't have my, I didn't have the right playbook. Maybe they want someone else's playbook or they want to learn more about opening up a metabolic or talking with you. How can they get in contact with you? Yeah, the best way, um, we have an online kind of like application form right on the website. The website's really well done too. Like you can get a lot of idea of what we do. Um, I'm somewhat active on LinkedIn. If anyone has a, a personal question for me outside of that, I've kind of popped off social media just to stay more focused on things. But um, They can follow your new house though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon built a new house and he started an Instagram account just to chrono like chronologically timeline and see the process of his new house. And it's got probably more followers than the than my gym has. It's insane. So weird. <laughs> yeah, my partner and I uh one day were like, Well what just happened? Why is there two? It is a dope people? house. I get why Thank people you. follow it. Thank you. Um but yeah, so like any um personal questions, if you uh, want to hit me up on LinkedIn, I'm cool with that. And then uh, the website has a, has a lot of good content on there. Cool. I'll yeah. go ahead and link that on the show notes. Thank you so much for coming in today, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you. It.